apostles and go to the book of Acts, chapter 19. The book of Acts today, chapter 19. I'm going to begin reading with verse 13, and I'll read through verse 20. The title of the message today is Preoccupied with the Demonic. Preoccupied with the demonic. Acts 19, verse 13, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them who had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preached. There were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests who did so. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are all of you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of those also who used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Preoccupied with the demonic. A friend of mine years ago was preaching over in Nairobi. He said that he had been fasting that day about what to preach. The Lord put a message on his heart. <clears throat> he said that when he got there to the church, there were people everywhere. Folks on the outside, folks on the inside. He said there had been a man who apparently was a bishop over a lot of different people. He had got off track somehow and got involved with a lot of mysticism and stuff. And somehow he got to teaching his people that if they got a picture of him and put it on a little amulet and carry it around on a necklace, that it'll keep away bad luck and evil spirits. A friend of mine said he got up there to minister the word of God and unbeknownst to him, there was a lady outside who was full of the devil, involved with all kinds of evil. She fell down on the ground and said she was foaming at the mouth and said she was kind of raising herself up, almost like a snake would. This was out in front of everybody. And said the woman was just growling and hissing and screaming at people. And these people with the ambulance decided they'd stand around her and rebuke that spirit. And that bishop was there. He went and decided he'd try to take authority. But they said that lady, full of the devil, jumped on all of those preachers and nearly beat them all to pieces in front of those folks on the outside. Said finally the crowd subdued her and they were going to drag her into that service where my friend was preaching. Said, as soon as they grabbed her and was dragging her in there, she screamed out, I don't want to go in there. And said, just when they got her inside the door of the auditorium, my friend was up there on the platform praying the mass prayer for all the people 
in there to be delivered and to be healed and taken authority over the adversary. Said when that woman got in there, she screamed, shrieked at the top of her lungs, slumped over. And then within about 30 seconds to a minute, she stood up and was asking people, where was she? She had no idea she was in a church. She had been under that demon power for so long. But in the presence of God, she had been totally delivered and set free. Now, when we consider the reality of instances like that, we come back to the scripture where no one can deny the New Testament record. The parables of Jesus are clear. He taught agricultural things. He taught about how to live in the last days before the king returns. But we also have records of him dealing with people that were full of the devil. Sometimes you'd find the devil in a synagogue. One time they found the devil roaming about in a man in a cemetery. Scripture says that he was so bad off he would take sharp rocks, cut himself, let the blood run down. I found that to be a truth when people are oppressed with the adversary. I found that when the devil wants to try to bring death into the life of anybody, they'll start abusing themselves physically. This is why people take razor blades and want to cut those wrists. This is why you'll see people put themselves in harm's way, banging their heads up against a wall sometimes, some kind of an oppression that's upon them. They don't know that it's spiritual, but somebody that knows God can perceive what is taking place. So the scripture is very clear that Jesus encountered individuals that were full of the adversary. And this kind of wickedness today, our culture doesn't know what to do with. In the Bible, they call it demon possession. Today, the psychiatrist will call it a dissociative order. They'll say that a man or woman can have multiple personalities living within one particular body. You probably remember years ago, they had that book that came out, I think they turned it into a movie, The Three Faces of Eve. And they never could understand why, how out of a, a small woman's body could come this very strong male voice. But the psychiatrist had no idea, no understanding of anything that has to do with the spiritual things. This madman of Gadara had a legion of devils in him. A legion in the Roman military system constituted 600 individuals. Can you imagine the insides of a human being being so filled with evil that a legion of devils resided in him? But when that legion came in contact with Jesus Christ, the devils had to leave. The power of God is greater than anything that this world could ever produce. Now the passage under discussion today is from Acts chapter 19. It's in this city called Ephesus, a very cosmopolitan place. It would have been similar to the capital of that particular region at the time. Very large city. Thousands of people were there. It was the center of religion. Diana was the great goddess who was worshipped there. We know from verse 35, they were under the impression 
that God, the goddess Diana had an image that had fallen down from the god Jupiter in heaven. So they housed that image there, just like the Muslims believe that that big black rock, that that thing itself is of divine origin, and they march around it in a circle. Back in the first century, thousands of people believed that the goddess Diana was worthy of worship. She, in the Greco-Roman religious system, was the direct counterpart of her brother Apollos. Both of them were hunters. She was known for her stealth. In the legends, she was known as the goddess of fertility. And when little women are born into this world as babies, it was the belief that Diana was there to help usher them into this world. It was also believed that when women died suddenly, it was because of the judgment of Diana. So very, very strong feminist spirit that was attached to this particular deity. So people from all walks of life made their way to Ephesus. Thousands of people lived there. Professional people lived there. This is probably the only chapter in the New Testament where you can see something close to what we would call a union. Paul was preaching. So many people were getting saved. One of the craftsmen said, look, if this man keeps preaching revival and people continue to become Christian, then we're going to lose our jobs. Then nobody's going to buy our statues. And so he got all the craftsmen together and they went to the local magistrate and said, these folks are turning the world upside down with that gospel that they're preaching. So they got together in order to shut down the proclamation of the truth. Now, what was it about the truth that was problematic for them? Notice in chapter 19, verse 10. For two years, Paul preached the gospel and everybody in Asia heard the word of the Lord. In verse 11, God did special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs and aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. So he preached the gospel with signs following. Can you imagine? He'd preach cripples would walk. He'd preach skin diseases would clear up. Folks full of the devil would instantly be made whole as those demon spirits would come out of folks. But when I look at this, what is amazing to me is that in a region where Paul preached the gospel so powerfully and where there were so many educated and professional people, there were still people involved with witchcraft. You can look at the text in verse 19. Many people brought their books together and burned them. That means they were in the homes. They were in the marketplace. These books could be procured from the neighbors. Now, I think you'd probably be surprised at the number of people in this nation and around the world that privately still practice various forms of witchcraft. I was reading a book here just the other day about a man who was a Greek and Latin professor, very esteemed in his own professional field of study. And this man, for over 60 years, was involved with all kinds of psychical research, observing all kinds of things that dealt with witchcraft, black magic, and evil. By day, he was teaching students 
at a university at Oxford. But by night, he's sitting there trying to communicate with the dead. Can you imagine something like this going on in this world? When we first came here to Nebraska, we were preaching over in Plymouth. And I'll never forget as long as I live, while revival was taking place in that home where I was preaching, and people were coming from everywhere. Somebody in a cornfield had made a circle in that field, cut out a pendulum, a satanic pendulum, and had offered some cats on a stone altar in that place. I would have thought that would have never had been out here, but I'm telling you whether it's a banker, a lawyer, a homemaker, or somebody that sweeps floors at a local diner, you'll never know what's going on behind closed doors unless God himself unveils what is taking place. The devil is savvy enough to get into the minds of educated people and even uneducated people, if we can use that term. It doesn't matter how smart you are, there are some people who are fascinated by the demonic. They're interested in it. And folks, I'm not talking about the 60s and the early 70s when a little lady was on television and would wrinkle her nose and then something magical would take place on Bewitch. I'm talking about the darkest kinds of things you can imagine. We've got a nation that is involved with it, promoting it and approving of it. So where we have people that are full of the adversary and we have an anemic church that's unable to cast the devil out, all we can do is send people to the latest or the nearest asylum and put them in a straitjacket because the churches very often won't fast and pray through to touch God in order to bring deliverance to people that needs to be had. And so all across this nation, we're watching as our children and our adults are introduced to what is evil by the television and sometimes even in that classroom. As a high school senior in Cleveland, Ohio, them health classes that we had, them teachers didn't mind at all showing those showing us, those seniors in those classes, didn't mind at all showing sexual positions in them news, in them different little news things they had there for the classes. I can't imagine what it's like now, today, you see. The introduction to our little babies of every kind of sensual thing you can believe. Is there any wonder there's confusion in this nation, you see, confusion. So moms and dads, you have a great task ahead of you. You've got to make sure that that mind is, is steeled with the word of God so that when they come in contact with this stuff in the public forum, that privately they can be placed on that right path and the foundation will be exactly what it's needed. Because we have a nation today that is preoccupied with demonic things. Now it's interesting in verse 19, it says when they brought the books, they put them in a big pile and set them on fire. They didn't put them in the rubbish. They didn't give anybody an opportunity to go through the trash can or through, through the, the, the refuse heap and then take it back home. They set the thing on fire. They didn't want anybody to get their hands on it. 50,000 pieces of silver. Now if this was the silver denarii, then the equivalent would be about 5.5 million, because that would be a day's wage, a piece of silver for a day's wage. If these would have been silver talents, 
the equivalent of this would have been $1.5 billion because each talent would have been a year's wage. So what I'm getting at is it costs money to serve the devil. There's nothing cheap about it, folks. If you're going to get involved with witchcraft, I can promise you it's going to cost you a pretty big piece of your, your, your living. So verse 19, they brought these books of curious arts. Now what are curious arts? The black magic, the witchcraft, all of this. Pastor, what does that entail? Spiritualism. There are churches in America called spiritualist churches and pastors that consider themselves to be spiritual mediums. And these individuals get together for their own <clears throat> kind of, of worship, six to eight people. They'll have a seance. It's always dark when they have these seances because in their belief, light hampers the transmission of the other spirits that they believe are able to communicate from the other side. Now, if you can imagine wealthy people and people with common sense sitting down in a circle trying to communicate <coughs> with the dead, you understand why this thing is so weird. I'm, I'm telling you, one of our presidents, Mr. Abraham Lincoln, when he and his wife lost their son, the wife was so broken up and distraught by it, she brought in a medium into the White House, and they had a, a series of seances trying to communicate with that son, wanting to know what happened to him and what he was doing on the other side. In that spiritualist life, they believe that the other spirits on the other side of the natural realm are able to communicate, they're able to grow into perfection, and if you can touch the right one, that one spirit will continue to come to you over and over again, and he'll become a spiritual guide to you. And this is why when these folks, when you go to Lincoln and you get up there in certain areas of the community up there, you can see the signs on the different storehouses up there where the people will lead you in a seance and give you any kind of direction that you want. I'm telling you these folks are preoccupied with the demonic. They believe that they're doing something that's positive and useful for society, but it's all deception. All deception, folks. From spiritualism and the seances, we have necromancy, which is the communication with the dead in order to determine the future. Imagine sitting down at a table with someone and you're trying to reach out to find out what's going to happen six years from now. And you're going to try to contact some evil spirit. And there's going to be somebody that's going to sit there and go passive and then allow themselves to become the channel by which their mouth can be used to communicate these alien entities' voices as they're talking to you. Is there any wonder we have the kind of confusion that we have today? People that get involved with crystal ball gazing are getting involved with trouble. These folks sit down with either a big, huge, clear crystal, or sometimes they'll fill a bowl with water and put some crystals in the bottom of it. They'll then begin to stir up that water, and they'll stare into those crystals. Then after a few moments, they've got to break the gaze and then return to staring at it. 
And then the first few images of visions that appear in those crystals, they believe that's a communication from the other side that's providing wisdom as far as how somebody should live. Now, I'm telling you today, there are people that live according to this stuff. And there are some people can't go a week and a half without going to visit some medium who's going to tell them about where they can go to find a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But you know as well as I do, if there's any warlock or witch that knows where a pot of gold is, they'll beat you to it. There's nowhere on no way on this earth they're going to let you get to that. So this curious art that the people are involved with costs a lot of money. Who would have ever thought that somebody would actually have books in ancient times that would describe to the reader how to involve his self, herself, with all of this. In Jesus' time and in Paul's time here, you had the ancient Roman priest that would read the entrails. They would go and build an altar, sacrifice an animal. Then they would take the entrails, the innards, of that animal, and they would look at the intestines, the heart, various organs, and from that begin to determine whether or not the omens were fortuitous for you in your future or whether bad luck was going to come to you. This is how very often they went to war. Julius Caesar wouldn't go to battle unless he brought somebody in there as a priest to tell him, to tell him and read for him the omens. Alexander the Great, before he'd go off into his different battles, he always had some magician or witch that would come and tell him about what the future is supposed to hold. So these things go back to ancient times. There are various kinds of curious arts. Many of them are practiced in different ways. Some of them you can find every day in the newspaper. Now, when I was a little kid... I found out I was a Virgo. And so before I'd go to school as an elementary kid, I'd like to open up that newspaper and see what does it say for the Virgo, you know. And you read your little horrible scope, and then it, and then it tells you, you know, what's going to happen for you, and you know, good things are going to happen to you. It's like, it's like when you go to the Chinese restaurant and you, and you get the fortune cookies. You know, the fortunes are always good. Always good. You know, you're going to meet two people that love you today. Somebody's <laughs> going to pat you on the back and give you a gift, that, that kind of a thing. And, and so I was always fascinated by that. But as I got older and became a preacher and learned more and more about witchcraft and had to preach around the world and bring deliverance to a lot of people, I came to see that horoscopy is something that controls the lives of a lot of people. It's a big money-making business. There are folks that won't do anything unless they know that the celestial stars are favorable to them in their positions. And there are people that will create for you a horoscope outline just to tell you what the next 20 years of your life are going to be like. When President Reagan was in the White House, his wife wouldn't even set his schedule until she sat down with the people that knew all about that horoscope. She was going to make sure that he wasn't anywhere he wasn't supposed to be when it was going to be bad for him if the planets didn't align the right way. I'm not saying anything about anybody's politics. I'm just telling you wickedness is wickedness. I don't care who, who's dealing with it, whether they're liberal or conservative. 
So as a, as a church then, we have to understand that when someone wants you to participate in these things, it's time to step back and say, I don't want my time preoccupied with that. Because folks, if you can put your faith in believing that the alignment of the planets is going to bring prosperity and blessing to your life, why not turn around and take that same faith and believe that the hand of God is able to preserve you and keep you? So these individuals who get involved with this, they find that it expands and gets bigger and bigger. Now, I, I like, you know, every now and then to sit down, play a good game of cards, you know. I grew up in a family where the folks would get together with <coughs> relatives, and mom and dad would play cards from nighttime right on up to four o'clock in the morning, and my brothers and cousins and I, we'd all fall asleep on the couch and on the floor and under the table waiting for them folks to be done so we could finally go home. But then I became a Christian and just decided that I'm going to play cards even more. Because there were a whole lot of people that were totally opposed to cards. They just thought cards were the most wicked things on the planet. And if you see the joker on there and it's just bad luck for you. And I know where it comes from. Back in the 1500s in Europe, when card playing was nothing more than a parlor game for wealthy people. Pretty soon, people started looking at the pictures on the cards and the images became symbols. And with those images, they started telling stories. And so very often the card holders would look at the card, tell a story about the picture, and then use that story to talk about somebody's life. It evolved and it became what <coughs> we know of today as tarot card reading. So you have a whole lot of people that will go sit in these shops and somebody will pull out these cards and throw them out. And then they'll start telling, telling this person, well, it's looking like you're, you're, you're in for a bad relationship in this season of your life. Then somebody else looks at that card and they say, I'm telling you right now, I see sickness and disease that's going to come. Or I see you're about to go on a trip. Folks, we don't live our lives that way. The scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, it doesn't matter how many people get involved with this. We don't allow ourselves to be deceived by that. There are those that will sit down, just like at a seance, they'll have a piece of paper, somebody will have a pen or a pencil, and they will allow themselves to be taken over by another power and then begin to start writing. They just call it automatic writing. And some of them will scribble this and scribble that and say that that spirit is channeling its thoughts through that individual's arms. I'm telling you, all of this stuff is evil and it's wicked. When that doctor says to you, I think we found a way to get you off drugs. I think we found a way to cause you to stop smoking. And you say, what is it, sir? What is it, ma'am? They say, we have a new practice here of hypnotism. If you'd only come and allow our hypnotist to, to, to take you and through the powers of concentration, you open your mind 
to what he or she has to say, and that will enhance your capacity to respond to suggestions. Folks, I'm telling you right now, don't open up your mind to anybody. That Bible makes it very plain. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind by the word of God and do not allow a man or a woman to be able to control you through hypnotism. And in fact, if, if, if you get involved with that, you know, you see these people, it's almost like they're in a, a different world. Then somebody snaps their finger or, or claps their hand and they come to, and then they don't know what happened while they were hypnotized. Why in the world would you give somebody that kind of power over you that would take you and put you in a position where you don't even remember what was taking place and they try to enter into your subconscious? They don't even have the ability to divide rightly the spirit, soul, and the body. But then you've got people that allow the hypnotists to do that. There are all kinds of other occult enthusiasms. You can see that with telepathy, there are people that believe you can transplant your thought into the head of somebody else's. But there are also people today that for years have practiced witchcraft with drugs. Indian hemp, all kinds of other hallucinogens. So here we have a culture today that is bent on legalizing every possible drug you can think of. It doesn't matter. You have one doctor that will tell you if you allow them to smoke marijuana, it'll help with the cancer, it'll help with the diabetes, it'll help with the pain in the body. You have another doctor over here that says even if you let them take that stuff, they still become addicted to it and they never can get off of it. So over and over again, we're hearing one voice after another telling our nation that there's nothing wrong with heroin. There's nothing wrong with LSD. We need to get the taxes off of that. But for decades, many of these drugs have been used in very sinister forms of witchcraft because people want to be involved with psychedelic drugs and enter into a world where they can see colors and hear voices that under ordinary circumstances they cannot hear. All pastor is telling you today there's a preoccupation with the demonic and we as Christians should do everything we can to stand against it. Can you say amen? It's a battle, folks. It's a battle. Now I'm going to read a verse out of Isaiah chapter 8. And this is verses 19 and 20. And I want you to listen to this. And when they shall say unto you, seek unto those who are mediums or have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter should not a people seek unto their god should they seek for the living to the dead to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word it is because there is no light in them do you realize that witchcraft and black magic goes all the way back Ancient times. <clears throat> now there are people who believe that the country of Benin in West Africa, they call it the cradle of voodoo. Some people believe that's where voodoo originated, in that part of West Africa. You can go to Haiti, and there's a country, a little island, that decades ago, the president dedicated the country to Satan. Imagine that. 
And even to this day, with the friends that I have that labor in Haiti, they tell me there's a mixture of that witchcraft and Catholicism. I mean, they'll do everything from pray to Mary and drink blood, the same service and ceremony. All of that iniquity that comes out, the rites and the ceremonies are the kinds of things that we should find deplorable. God said through the prophet Isaiah, if anybody says, let's go and talk to a medium, he says, you ought not do that. Don't waste your time with a wizard. Don't waste your time with somebody that believes they can predict your future. You don't need that at all. When you see that commercial come on and they say, with all of these testimonies of Hollywood actors and different people, and they say, look, I called the Psychic Hotline Network and I'm telling you my life has never been the change, never been the same. Well, I believe it because I believe the moment you open your life up to that kind of evil, I do believe that you'll never be the same again. I do believe that. But if you walk with God and you allow God to do what he wants to do, then great things will happen. Now, you may say, well, hold on, Pastor. My, my Auntie Belle, see, my Aunt Belle, she, she's, she's a psychic and she's been involved with all this for a long time. I mean, she interprets people's dreams and she's got a book and, and it has the number next to the different dream and you know if you dreamt of death that's 335 you need to play that in the lottery play 335 and you might even come up and hit it see and she tells people that and they go through all of that and Monty Bell says that her gifts are from God folks I'm telling you it's a familiar spirit it's evil it's not a gift that comes from God at all. It's a familiar spirit that has attached itself to a human being. And that familiar spirit has enough knowledge to convey that truth to its vessel to channel that message to people to deceive them. You say, Pastor, what do I do to throw that stuff off of me or throw that stuff off of others? Plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand on the word of Almighty God. Get people to renounce it, turn from it, denounce it. Ask God to forgive them and cleanse them and walk with God. The Bible enlightens, but all these other things darken the mind and dull the spiritual senses. And this is why when you talk to people about this kind of evil, they say there's nothing wrong with it at all. They say, what's, what's the harm of a little bit of black magic? If, if I have some kind of a <clears throat> rabbit's foot or something like that, that some warlock has given to me as a talisman for good luck, why is that offensive to you, Pastor Darrell? Well, if it's not offensive to you, that's a problem. Because when it comes to these kinds of things, these fetishes that the devil tries to cause to come into our lives, these things will produce one problem after another. I heard of a story one time where a man was called to go pray for a young man, might have been 19 or 20. The parents said the young man wouldn't talk to the mother and father. He just sits there with a blank stare on his face and he won't even turn or move. He sits there. If he goes to the restroom, he goes right there in place. They said they couldn't even feed him. The mom and dad said this had been going on for three months. Then they called the preacher, and the preacher went over there, walked into the room, 
And sure enough, there was that young man just kind of staring off into space. The preacher went over there and took his right arm, lifted it up. Right arm just stayed like that, never moved it. Just looked at him for several minutes, never moved an arm. The preacher said he went up to him and said he lifted his leg, just brought it up off the ground about six or seven inches. Said the young man sat there in the chair with his leg up off the ground. Never looked like he was in pain, no movement at all. And he asked the mother and father, how did this happen? When did this happen? He said we, this young man went down to one of the neighbor's homes, and while he was at the neighbor's house, the, 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 the mama there in that other house had a daughter and started putting the daughter and that young man in the bedroom and started letting them do whatever they wanted to do. Said, said the young man came home one day, sat down in that chair, and just never moved, just kept staring like that. that. That pastor, knowing what was going on, he got down close, looked in the face of that young man, and when he did, he said he saw in that eye, the eyes of that young man, he saw them eyes twinkle, and he knew the devil was looking out at him and causing problems in there. And that pastor said he took his hand, smacked him on the side of both, of, both sides of his head, and said in the name of Jesus, come out of him and turn your head and talk to your mama. And said the young man turned, looked at his mom, and said, Mom, I'm so sorry, and started crying and fell into her arms. See, totally delivered by the power of God. Now, without a preacher that had some knowledge of God and the Holy Ghost and the demonic, I can tell you they'd have put the kid away, and the kid probably would still be sitting somewhere as a little lab rat for somebody to practice on him to see what's wrong. But because a man of God walked in there and knew exactly what the problem was, Deliverance could come. See. Let me finish this up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you find the Apostle Paul, and he's writing, and he says in verse 5, we should cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means when, when you hear about the very things I've been talking about, and people try to introduce that to you. Don't even let it in that head. You cast it down. You know, usually at some point in young people's life, <clears throat> there's usually a, somebody that comes along and says something like this. Mom and dad are going to be gone for a few hours, but so-and-so down the street has got, got a talking tablet or a Ouija board. And I think if we just go down there and we just sit, we can find out what all that is about. See them Ouija boards, you know, they, they got all them little symbols on there, then they got a little circular thing, and then somebody sits there and everybody just kind of takes their turn moving that thing around there, and then eventually somebody starts acting like there's a voice that's talking out of them. Folks, I'm telling you, when that kind of information comes to you or, <coughs> or somebody invites you, to be a part of that, cast down that imagination and say, I don't want to have anything to do with that at all. Jesus Christ never dabbled in the occult. Never dabbled in the occult. Now, you may have somewhere in your past been around it, known about it, participated in it, but yet came through it without any difficulties at all. All I'm telling you is don't get involved with it again. Because there are a whole lot of people. Their homes are turned upside down. I've seen houses 
go from normality to straight depression when somebody gets involved with that stuff. I've seen good marriages fall apart and go to terrible marriages when somebody starts dabbling in with the occult. And for us that are Christians, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. Amen. God hadn't called us to be spiritual guides or mediums. He called us to be Christians, to be like Christ. There was witchcraft in his day, but he didn't get involved with it. And so as believers today, we stand against it, we rebuke it, we take authority over it, and we want our people to be free. Amen. We want our people to be free. And I believe if we do that, good things will happen. Amen? Amen. No need to be in a spirit of fear about anything we talked about today. If you're covered by the blood, you're more than a conqueror. You're victorious. You can put your head on the pillow tonight and know that your eyes have been opened to a lot of different things. If any of this was new to you, you didn't know about it, when you come in contact with friends or family members that bring it up, just tell them, I think you ought to avoid that. I think you ought to stay away from that. They tell you, I'm grown and I'll do what I want, and you, hey, you do whatever you want. But I'm just telling you, when trouble comes, you're going to be calling me, and I'm going to be the one over here helping you burn all this stuff in the bonfire in the back somewhere. Because the adversary wants to promote his agenda. And the more people that read it, the more people that believe it. Let's stand. Let's stand. Yeah.